0: This is Mocha Bezer again. This is Dr. William Mackis. This is Heather Hyang. This is Chase Barber. This is Denir Rencourt. Hi, this is Frank Peretti. And you are listening to the Sean Goobad Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, folks. How's everybody doing today? Happy Monday. Uh Silver Gold Bull. North America's premier precious metals dealers with state-of-the-art dealers uh distribution centers, that is, in Calgary, Alberta, and Las Vegas, Nevada. If you have not ordered from them you gotta you gotta you just gotta try it it's different when you get it in your hand it's super easy silvergoldbull.ca uh all the all the details down in the show notes you uh you click order it ships right to your doorstep and then when you see it in your hand you're gonna be like huh that's pretty cool that's 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 really cool um all the details down in the show notes if you uh if you just want to say hey thanks for supporting sean newman I would really, really, really appreciate that too. Uh it goes a long way. Profit River. Uh, Clay Smiley was back at the end of 2023, episode 557. If you want to go hear uh, some of their story, how Clay gets to Profit River, how that becomes what it is, of course, they specialize in importing firearms from the United States of America. Uh, they ship right across Canada. If you're not a hunter, but you have one in your life, they do gift cards. They make it super easy. Just go to profitriver.com. They are the major retailer of firearms, optics, and accessories serving all of Canada. Tyson and Tracy Mitchell, Mitch uh, Co. Mitchell, uh, Mitch Co. Environmental. They, uh, with all you college students, we're getting closer and closer to May. Oh, we're getting closer and closer to spring. That feels nice. Uh, and they have four-month positions, May through August. Uh, you can make, a, you know, 20000 dollars They're a family-owned business that uh, provides professional vegetation management services across Alberta and Saskatchewan and they're they're hiring. So give them a call 780-214-4004 or go to mitchcocorp.ca. Carly Kloss and the team over at Windsor Plywood Builders of the podcast studio uh, for everything wood. These are the guys. Deck season is upon us. No, it is not. Uh, deck season is getting closer to upon us is what I should have said. I yeah, you know, I'm I'm I think my brain's stuck in spring mode. Don't know why. Oh wait, I'm going to I'm going on holidays in a week's time, and I'm getting excited for that. Me and the wife are are taking off. No worries, this isn't going to stop. Uh, we're banking some episodes to make sure that we we get it out. But my brain is on holiday mode. Deck season is going to be uh, upon us for me, I guess, and for a whole bunch of people probably uh, off with their families this week uh, as kids are out of school. Either way, when we're talking mantles, decks, windows, door, sheds, or podcast studio table head into windsor plywood now let's get on to that tale of the tape he's a croatian national former hedge fund manager author and contributing editor at zero hedge i'm talking about alex craner so buckle up here we go Welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. Uh, today I'm joined by Alex Craner. Alex, thanks for hopping on.
1: Always a pleasure, Sean. Good to be with you. Greetings to your viewers and listeners.
0: And uh, a shout out to Tom, because obviously, you know, the last 11 times you've been on the podcast, Tom has been riding shotgun or you've been riding shotgun. I don't know. You guys are, I don't know who's Sundance. I don't know who's Butch Cassidy. It doesn't matter. Uh, you guys have been on a lot together. But uh, with the the with the, um, uh, the Putin-Tucker interview, uh, you know, the audience kept like, get, get Alex on let's, let's hear what his thoughts are. Cause uh, you know, th- th- this being, um, you know, on your side of the world, so to speak. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I was like, okay, yeah, no, easy, easy said and done uh, or easy, easy done. Uh, I don't know why I said that way, but anyways, I, I went back to the first time you were on the podcast cause I hadn't listened to it. You know, I, I kind of forgot it was that long ago. It was October 12th, 2022, you came on the podcast. And you were talking about Bill Browder and I was like, I'd never heard this guy. You told me a history of, you know, essentially Russia that I'd never heard before. And I was like, this is, this is, this is, this is something now, obviously since then you've been, you know, a recurring guest once a month, yada, 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 we, we, you know, I think most people understand that. And then you've been to Canada and you've come and spoke on the stage and, and, um, You've really grown on the audience, I would say. They, they really enjoy um, your thoughts. And so here I sit and I, I watch Tucker and I'm like, you know, I have my own thoughts. And I'm like, but I, I'm just a guy sitting in Canada. Like, and I'm being very influenced by, you know, people such as yourself and everything else. And I'm like, like this is, this is wild. Like, I'm almost waiting for him to say Bill Browder, but he doesn't. And um, uh, I was like, I wonder what Alex thinks about this. Alex, what did you think of Tucker? Putin?
1: Um, well, you know, for anybody who's been paying close attention, uh, nothing Putin said was particularly uh, new, you know, so nothing took me aback because he has been very, very consistent in his positions. He hasn't been all over the place, right? Uh, but I think it was extremely important for Tucker to do this interview because it's been viewed by so many people that. Uh, I don't know, I heard uh, that across all platforms, so he got about 200 million views on X, then I don't know how much on Tucker Carlson's uh, website and uh, whatever, I don't know, Rumble, Bitchute, uh, Odyssey, wherever this uh, went around, people copied clips and so forth. So uh, I heard estimates that it's been viewed by over a billion people. So it's been an unprecedented event, actually and has generated a lot of discussion. And I think this is all extremely important, because it, it, you know, the Western public has not had a chance to hear from Vladimir Putin unfiltered in his own words. It's usually, you know, people might like, uh, like Max Boot and Bill Kristol, who, and Bill Browder as well, who interpret Putin for us. So, you know, it's like they tell us everything we need to know. But uh the the reality is a lot more nuanced and it's extremely important to understand those nuances because demonization of a foreign leader is always used as a setup for 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 war because you know when you, if you go back to <clears throat> Noriega and Milošević and uh, and um Muammar Gaddafi and Saddam Hussein and Bashar al-Assad uh preparations for war always include uh, relentless demonization of the target leader, uh, so that the audiences in the West might think, oh, well, you know, I guess war is a bad thing, but maybe if we, if we rid the poor Iraqis of Saddam Hussein, uh, if we rid the poor, uh, Russians of Vladimir Putin, then everybody will be happier. So, you know, if, if, if they don't give consent, then maybe passive acquiescence might do just as well, so I, I think that this interview brought Putin closer closer to Western audiences, and I, I think that it probably had an impact. All, although I I suspect that this, you know, like it's not like we walked out on the street one day and then the world was different, but you know, same as with Edward Snowden revelations. And uh, with what was that 2013, and with the WikiLeaks uh, revelations that we had, it's not that something spectacularly changed overnight. But I think that it uh, it, um, it it kind of blows up uh, Western ruling establishments narrative control. And narrative control is everything to them, you know because, to wage war they need they need public consent and so I I, I hope I hope I very much hope that this uh, interview will have had if the effect of um, preempting that consent because we're not out of the woods you know the the war in Ukraine might be winding down but that's just the first battle we are in a global total war uh as George Soros told us and other uh you know US and NATO officials have said the same thing it's a clash between two systems of governance and I always like to underscore um the Croatian Admiral um characterized the the battle as the clash between Christ and Antichrist and, you know, well, you know, Croatia is a member of NATO, and he's a, he's a, a retired admiral of the Croatian army. But he said, sorry, but the West is the Antichrist. And so I think uh, we, are, we are in trouble. The Western oligarchies will not give up. They're not just going to go quietly into the night. So we need to start, uh, you know, thinking and figuring things out because what happened in Ukraine can happen in Europe. It can happen in the United States and Canada. Uh, what I mean by that is that uh, they could, you know, war can start, you know, the, the, the European governments uh, Finland, Sweden, Germany, Britain, they're talking about pre- preparations for war against Russia. They're talking about mobilization, conscription, and all of these things. And, um, we shouldn't be complacent about this at all because uh what happened in Ukraine uh should be a cold shower to everybody it should be a wake-up call because the uh let's call it that the far-right extremists who were extremely anti-russians who were gung-ho on going to war against Russia and killing Russians they were a very small fringe minority okay and uh, in 2014, right after the coup, they had a, an election, and uh, the two far extreme parties, uh, Svoboda and uh, the Right Sector, together combined, gained 1.6 percent of the vote. So you know, Ukrainian people were not exactly on board. And then uh, you know, in 2019, this was recent. Volodymyr Zelensky got 70. 70- or seventy-three percent of Ukrainian vote because he was promising normalization with Russia. He was promising peace. He was promising making Russian language uh, legal again um, and uh, reconciling with Eastern, uh, you know, the Donbas, the, the the breakaway regions. And this is why people elected him because that's what they wanted. They want peace. They want normalization. And then, um, okay, so Zelensky was kind of. Uh, treading water until Joe Biden gets into the White, White House. And practically from the day Joe Biden gets into the White House, everything changes. He, and he starts, you know, the the escalation and provocation start. And they knew, they knew that they wanted to go to war with Russia. You know, there's a famous interview with his advisor, Arrestovich, who said that we're going to get into NATO, but our price... Of being accepted into NATO is a major war with Russia, and he said that's 99.9 percent certain. I'm, I'm citing, I'm, I'm quoting the man. And so, uh, you know, they knew that we going to do this. Uh, they just didn't have, you know, uh, adequate support from the Trump administration, but they did from Biden administration, and that's where everything got going. And so, uh, when your country gets attacked. All those nuances, we don't want war with Russia, blah, 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 it all gets very tribal, very rapidly. And now even people who didn't want to go to war find themselves where they have to go to war. You know, men, they're patriotic people. Uh, The country's calling, you go to war. And so what? Half a million of them are dead. And now, uh, you know, you have these gangs of of, uh, extremist thugs going around uh, Ukraine, scooping up, uh, you know 16 and 17 year old boys and and 60 year old men uh, they're shoving them to the front lines to the trenches uh, they you know ministry of defense of ukraine just uh, made an order a few weeks ago or 50,000 uh, uniforms for female soldiers and now you're seeing women in the trenches and uh you know now they're saying you know they, in, in Ukraine they have they have been quite advanced with these digital ID and CBDC initiatives and so they already started creating the infrastructure where all the government services are going through the same gateway uh, that you can use on your phone and so forth and now they're using this or maybe they're just talking about it but they're 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 preparing to use this in order to recruit people. Uh, uh, into the into the military, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's it's linked to people's bank accounts yet, you know, but they're talking about uh, confiscations of of money, blockages of bank accounts. You know, uh, if you if they want you in the in the trenches, they might not. Uh, you might lose your electricity or Internet service. Uh, they wouldn't renew your passport, your car registration, things like that, you know, like, you uh, There are are mechanisms of coercion. And the reason why I'm saying that we have to pay attention to these things is because we're not immune to it. You know, when when the British uh, Minister of Defense starts talking about conscription, you have to understand that this is coming for us. And when you see those, those, you know, graves of Ukrainian youth, like Ukrainian flags as far as the eye can see, tens of thousands of them buried do we want our children to end up like this with a Canadian flag or Croatian flag or 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 whatever German flag on top of him I don't want that but you know they've done it to Ukraine we should pay attention we shouldn't allow it to be done to us and our children and they are preparing to do exactly that they're not like, oh, well, yeah, maybe. Uh, no, they're dead serious. They want to destroy Russia. They want Russia's resources. They want to unseat Vladimir Putin and put some, you know, whatever, uh, Vladimir Zelensky to run Russia, Alexei Navalny or Juan Guaido is available. I think they don't care. Just somebody who will rubber stamp everything. Okay, JP Morgan gets the oil. uh uh, HSBC gets all the natural gas. Uh, Halliburton gets all the, you know, development. Uh, it's like that. And so they will do anything to achieve that. Russia, by the way, of all countries, of all countries in the world, Russia is by far the richest one with natural resources, about 75 trillion estimated, which is practically double than the next country. So, they want it so badly. They want it so badly because all of those trillions could be turned into financialized asset flows controlled by the Western banking cartel. This is, they will sacrifice a billion people to get this because this is what they were prepared to do. We can get into that.
0: You know, I, I started with Tucker and, and Putin. And uh, um, you know when Alex gets going, I think I'm like <laughs> everybody else. I just sit back and enjoy the show because uh, you you got a wealth of knowledge, sir. And every time, uh, you know, you or Tom or by yourself, you know, it's it's quite evident. You know, there was a lot there, and I'm I'm gonna pull us back to the interview just for a second because uh, you know my thoughts was, people were upset, and I, I I I laughed at Tucker. I said, just you're sitting across from Putin, just let him talk. Just let him get off. Nobody has talked to this man and he has been provoked and provoked and provoked over and over again. And does that make him like the perfect man? No. It just means we've been talking about this now. You've been on the podcast for uh, almost two years. And we've been talking about this on this side for almost two years about like, well, is Putin a good guy? Is he not a good guy? It's like, well, his actions suggest he doesn't want to go to war that that's what his actions suggest yes. and then he's provoked to a point where he has to go to war but he doesn't yes. want to go to war with the entire world he's trying to say that very clearly and um you know the 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 the, the tucker you know a billion people jeez i hadn't heard that number but i mean it, may, it stands to make sense you know um it's over 200 million on twitter alone right so yeah. uh you know like it's it's an insane amount of people and there are a ton of people who knew pretty much when you say there's nothing new in there I agree, but it came from Putin's mouth, which makes it new. And the way he did it, you know, um, all of us out here, I think, all went, man, do we have a leader like that? Do we have a leader who sits across from Tucker, puts him in his place like three times, and says, "I thought, I thought, you know, aren't, aren't, aren't we going to have a serious conversation? I'm trying to tell you how we get here," and 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 so then he gives him like over a thousand years of history, and you're like, oh, okay, what is he doing here, right? Yeah. Um, and we don't, we just don't have a, we don't have a leader like that. Like, I I don't know of a single leader in Canada that, that sits there like that. And is uh what, what did somebody call him? A Fox. Like he's, he is, he is playing 3d chess, uh, on steroids when he, when he sits across from Tucker and to see that as, as, uh, as the Western culture, I think is really healthy. Like uh, it doesn't mean you have to agree with everything, but it's like really healthy to, uh, you know, like now I'm like, so is he going to interview China? Like, is is he going to go interview the other ones? Because I'm like, at this point, I actually don't know anything anymore. I'm like, I might as well hear, you know, have somebody go over and and sit and let them talk in a a podcast format where you can actually hear what they're trying to say. Now, in saying that, uh, did Tucker go in there with a game plan? I'm certain he did. He's not a moron. But at the same time, just hearing him talk and hearing him talk openly about the CIA and different things like that was, was wild from my standpoint, Alex.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: You know, you wouldn't have Biden or even, you know, I, I don't know what Trump would say, but, like, do they acknowledge the CIA exists at this point? I, I don't know. Like, I just, to me, it's all shadows and, and ghosts on this side, and he just called them all out. I, I mean, that
1: that's what it seemed like. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, uh, look, uh, you know... uh, Putin has been demonized in the West, uh, completely. You know, there's you, it's 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 extremely difficult to find any story in any publication that even attempts to be balanced, let alone to presenting him in a positive light. It's very difficult. I published a book, and he got banned. Well, you know, part of the book was about him.
0: I think I asked this the first time around, but w- can we get the book?
1: i can send you the pdf well actually you know there's a, a red pill press sends it red pill press sell, sells it off of their website so i think they have a pdf um, pdf format they have a what's um, the book called again alex hold on i'll I'll just show you it i'll show you it
0: the grand deception ten dollars pdf i i gotta i gotta i gotta hear Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right there. Right there. Right there. Here. And for the folks here, let's let's just so there's
1: I a th- there's a there's a chapter about Vladimir Putin, because, you know, I was as a, until a there. certain point in time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There it is.
0: So if, if somebody wants to because because I heard you talk about this the first time and I had like the similar thought that I'm, ha- I'm like, why haven't I read Alex's book yet? Like I just I, I you know, it, it's it's sitting right there you can go uh order the pdf for for, for uh for 10 bucks so
1: and, and okay so the first two chapters of the books are about you know debunking bill browder and his uh, tall tale uh so if people don't know who bill browder is um i i did try very hard to make it readable and entertaining but it's the is the next four chapters that are uh you know the the real meat and potatoes the you know the context of the whole story, the history of relations between Russia and the West, um, Vladimir Putin's role, Vladimir Putin's character, and and where the whole ship is sailing. Uh, but anyway, you know what I, what I was what I was saying uh, is that before a certain point in time in two thousand five, I was one of the unsuspecting consumers of the Western narrative, and I thought Vladimir Putin was just a puppet of the of the Russian oligarchs. I didn't I didn't question that and then uh i i met this guy bill browder uh in a, he was giving a lecture in monaco and i was invited and uh it was the first time i heard anybody say anything positive about vladimir putin and i was taken aback because it was it was it was real stuff it wasn't just the man speaks languages and uh, and he dresses nicely it was substantive stuff so uh, Bill Browder ran the largest foreign-owned hedge fund in Russia during the 1990s, you know, the, the transition from communism to capitalism. And um, he, uh, he had a funny business model, yeah? They would buy uh, undervalued shares of Russian companies, and they were undervalued because the management of most companies was uh, utterly corrupt. corrupt. And they were uh, they were siphoning money out of their money and other kinds of assets including including oil and gas fields. they were siphoning it off to their own private companies or into their bank accounts on, offshore and so forth. And so what Bill Browder and his team would do is they would uh, they would investigate uh, the corruption in the companies that they purchased right And then they would use the foreign. And Russian press to publish the the, the reports of their investi- investigation, and unmask these corrupt people and their practices. And so, in in, in practically every case, uh, Putin's government would would come in. They would clean up the uh, the corruption. They would re- uh, replace the management. They would close the legal loop, loopholes that made the they made the corruption possible. And then the stock shares of these companies would would rapidly increase in value so this was his business model he was this this is how was this was in part how he was making money in russia and so i thought like oh i thought putin was working for the oligarchs and now it looks like he is actually uh, working against the oligarchs so i thought like okay interesting so this is when i started paying attention to what's going on in russia and uh you know, in 2014, when the when the uh, Ukraine coup happened, and then there was the downing of that uh, Malaysian airport, uh, Airlines uh, flight over Ukraine, the, the demonization of Putin just went into an overdrive. It was just insane. It was wall-to-wall, nonstop, all the time, Putin bad. And so I thought, okay, I, I kind of expect politicians to be bad, and corrupt, and sleazy. But now I was curious, who is this man? And so I started kind of uh, looking into it. I started uh, watching many documentaries about him. Most of them are unflattering, but there's a few flattering ones out there. I started uh, kind of watching his speeches and interviews, um, reading his articles uh, and transcripts. Uh, I started um, looking up people who knew him personally, you know, people who have dealt with him. And lo and behold, the the portrait of the man that emerges is completely the diametric opposite of what you would call a thug or, a, you know, killer, KGB, you know, whatever they, they sl- sling in his, uh, in his direction. Uh, i
0: would say from sitting here from thinking back to what i thought um five years ago before i ever met you was or or and started looking into any of this it isn't just you would be uh kgb um, um you know essentially uh, power hungry uh willing to do whatever to keep it that that yeah, would be yeah, my thought process yeah. on putin
1: yeah and it, it turns out it's not exactly like that although you know uh, it's it's very difficult to, to, to judge a person who is managing a country of 150 million people and the country is under siege. And then to judge him against the standards that we all have innately because we judge people by how we relate to them, you know, one-on-one or, you know, in, in small sure. groups. This is a man who's responsible for 150 million Russians, right? So, you know... Uh, how you, you you can't go around giving hugs to everybody and giving them candy right that's not that's not a way to be nice but uh i looked into his scorecard of how he transformed russia and it's absolutely spectacular and uh, not only in terms of you know gdp's up uh, countries return to law and order clean the st- city streets are cleaned uh construction is going on Industry is growing you know all these things it's not just that is that when he took over russia in 1999 well it was christmas uh, new year's eve 1999 when he when he became the active president up until now in the in the in the past 24 years um he transformed it radically and when he took it over russia was one of the most corrupt countries in the world russian oligarchs uh, had their gangs uh you know, have car chases and shootouts on the streets of Moscow and St. Petersburg, Um, everything was in disarray. The economy was shot. Um, Everything was basically shit. And now Russia is a power to be reckoned with. And then you also have these uh, so-called misery statistics, you know, Uh, meaning uh, abortions, suicides, alcohol poisonings, and murders. And so when he took over Russia, those figures were staggeringly high. I mean, staggeringly high. Um, and since he took over, they all declined by, I don't know, I looked at the statistics when I published the book. So my figures are up to date until 2017. I haven't looked at them since. But basically, they went down by 80 to 90%. Okay. So and, you know, just, every...
0: I, just, sorry, just so yeah. just so I'm clear on this, when you're talking misery statistics, you know, you're, you're saying, and I'm just reiterating what he said, folks, but I want to make sure I'm clear on this. Uh, once upon a time, things are not well in Russia. So suicides are up, which makes sense. You got lots of drug overdoses, which makes sense. You got murder and crime and everything and all that, and, and, and that makes sense. And all I think of is Canada right now and how things are just like, you know, <laughs> Under the leadership of our current government, you know, uh, what 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 was the stat the other day in BC? Seven deaths a day from overdose uh, every single day um, for the year of 20, was it 2023, folks? 2022. It's one of the two, Alex. It, it, it's high. You're like, seven yeah. people? Holy, holy crap. Yeah. And what you're saying is over his, uh, up to the point you wrote the book, now all, all, like, instead of having, you know, seven deaths a day, I'm just going to pick on BC for a second. You're down to one death a day. Okay. Roughly from just drugs, I'm picking on drugs.
1: So, I'll uh, I'll just look at here where where I have these.
0: Sure. Yeah. And so for I'll the listener, the, he's he's got uh, like, Alex has so pulled I'll give his you book the exact up. Exact yep.
1: numbers because yeah. I didn't know them off the top of my head. Sure. So, uh, it, it, there's the the statistic is incidents per 100,000 residents. So, in 1994, Uh, suicides were 42.1 in 2014 so it wasn't 2017 they were 18.4 so a decline of 56 percent in suicides in 20 years yep yeah no in uh yeah in 20 years sorry then uh homicides from 32.6 to 8.7 a 73 percent decline alcohol poisonings from 37.8 per 100,000 to 6.5 per 100,000 so 83% decline and now the abortions boo, boo, boo. oh damn where is it yeah it's in the text i don't have a you child, know, all,
0: all it you know all i all i think of uh, uh, while while you say that you know is you judge dr- you know judge a tree by the fruit it bears exactly and exactly. And, 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 and so you go like everybody you know the haters of and i, I don't know they, do i love donald trump no I I, I I don't really love any one politician i feel like they're all in this shady game and they don't all work for you know like i just i'm not i'm not a big fan of any one politician but you judge by the fruit of bears because exactly. that game is is narratives it's slander it's it's you know it's all these different media agencies you know putting their spin on things and if you don't look through it and just see well what, what is actually going on what's what is happening? And when you put, say those things, it sounds like society improved under Putin. That—that's yeah, what you're ra- telling. Me radically, that.
1: radically. And so uh, uh, another few stats I have here is that life expectancy uh, went from just over sixty-four uh, years, uh, r- spectacularly low in uh, in the mid nineteen nineties, to um, almost seventy-two years in uh, two thousand fourteen. So uh, that's, you know, people gained an extra Decade. eight years of life. Yeah, that's that's something. Fertility rate for women went from below 1.2 in um, 1998 to 1. 1.7 in
0: 2014. When you, when you say fertility rate, are you meaning
1: like how many kids they're having? How many kids per woman? Yeah. So it went from below 1.2 uh, to 1.7. Can we... So that- yeah. So, why? Why would?
0: Is that because things are safer and people are like, oh, maybe we should have some kids?
1: Or, or well, yeah, exactly. Complaint? You know, because people think like everything's shit. I have no money. I have no prospects. I have no future. Uh, if I have a child, what am I going to do? And then, so the abortions. I don't have a graph for abortions, so I can't find it now. But abortions dropped dramatically, but they were sky high. And so, you know, all of these things. Every suicide. Every alcohol poisoning. Every abortion. Uh, is a personal tragedy. Uh, women, uh, women who had abortion, have a sixfold risk of committing suicide. So these are all personal uh, tragedies in the in the millions, which have now been uh, reduced dramatically. So has he done better than uh, you know correcting people? Oh, let's not say uh, mankind. Let's say people kind. Oh, aren't I nice? You know. Or is it better what Vladimir Putin is doing? Because you know now people are better off. There are fewer personal tragedies that afflict people, and people's lives are better and they're happier. You know, there's statistics of that. You know, like there's there's all these agencies like Gallup and Ipsos and uh, you know what have you Russian ones as well that in Russia ask people, are you happy? You know, and then they give you uh, um, definitely happy, happy not happy, definitely not happy, and then they score where people are. Well, that that statistic uh, in, increased like several fold uh, in the time that Ru- Putin has been uh, president of Russia. So, you know, uh, I, I, I do agree with you completely that we have to judge people by their fruits, by, by, by their deeds. And, you know, his deeds, he, uh, the, the way he turned Russia around has been nothing short of remarkable, and, and extraordinary, and uh, at the same time, what we see in the West is, is that we're going back to Victorian England. You know, uh, the the Dickensian world of misery, overdoses, uh, suicides, uh, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, uh, infrastructure crumbling. Uh, it's just yeah. Not, A- every not, not every talking about Alberta, and 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 you know, you had one leader in your studio. Recently, Daniel Smith, yeah, Premier Daniel Smith. Yeah, who, who, who struck me. She struck me because I got unaccustomed to any Western leader talking sense. You know, they all come with, with uh, slogans and ideology and talking points and no clue about the details and no ideas about how to run the place. And she was just there, fully at ease, talking numbers, talking figures out of her head, talking initiatives and ideas, and everything kind of geared towards making life better for people and businesses in Alberta. And I thought, oh, my God, this is what I see when I go, you know, when I go to these uh, Eurasian uh, integration um, conferences. And it all feels so exotic because nobody's talking about LGBT and climate change. People are talking about infrastructure and business and trade and energy making life and- better. Exactly. And you don't hear that ever in the West anymore. So I, you know, like when I go there, I have a culture shock. And then when I watched Daniel Smith on your on your podcast, I thought, this is what this is what we're missing. This is exactly what we're missing. And and it's it's so rare that when you hear it, you go like, oh my god, the, who is this woman? I want to marry her. You know, <laughs> it's it's it's
0: it's it's funny because there's lots of people. So you know, um, I, I've got uh, some interviews coming up uh, after you where people. Are upset with her because she she instead of just calling the green agenda for what it is, instead of going, you know, like we got Gabol. I mean, like, what did he just say the other day? I should pull it up for you. He doesn't want to build roads anymore. He figures we got enough roads. And uh, you know, and and <laughs> like it just he wants to phase out all fossil fuels and he wants and on on, on and on. Just, just like like how is this guy in our federal government? It just makes zero sense. It makes my head hurt.
1: Yeah, but it's and it's, it's 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 standard now. Everybody's yes, it is. Like it is, and Everybody's so
0: people, people are like, and myself included. You know, it's like, like, do we, do we want to, do we want to do some things with EVs? Okay, but like, do we have to have a date? Where if we're not by, if we're not, if we don't do it by this date? So people are, um, you know, there's there's levels of of upset with Daniel Smith. There's people who just love having everything you just said. They're like, yes, like I sit and listen to her and I go, holy crap, this is this is unreal, and then. <laughs> There's levels of upset because here in the West you got to deal with the LGBTQ issue because it is being thrust down our throat. And, oh, I love it. I love it. And and you know and and, and people just want somebody to say no, no, we're not doing that. Nope. And just next question. Nope. And she's come out and done something <sighs> close. You know, it, it, it's like I, I don't know what I was hoping, but she's it's kind close. Kind of ignored it, didn't she? Well, no. She came up with a. She came. uh, uh She came up with a, a policy saying, you know, like if you're under a certain age, is a no go. Oh, right. Uh, yeah, parent yeah, parents yeah. are allowed to yes. know yes. every time sex is being talked about and blah blah blah. But then she also said she's going to hire a doctor to do the surgeries and. Well, well why? This is like yeah, if it doesn't make any sense to me. But I mean, some days I, I, you know, I'm a hard. You know, I, I maybe I'm a little bit like rock, uh, head under the rock, but it's just, it, to me, it doesn't make any sense. And the green thing doesn't make any sense. So she taught and, and, and she's using the language and that pisses people off. It's like, stop talking about 2035 or stop talking about 2050. We're going to go carbon neutral. It, you know, just start talking, just like, stop it. And that's what people want. Well, I shouldn't yeah. say all people want, right? Because when I listen to you, I'm like, yeah, like I, I, I find it fascinating because politics is like that. No matter how good of a speaker you get, somebody's always going to hate it and wish they said something else.
1: But Sean, you know, if these things did make sense, we wouldn't be talking about them. People would just be doing them. You know, people would be pursuing entrepreneurial opportunities if it made sense. No, we have to force everybody. We have to invent all these systems of incentives and and disincentives to make everybody do something that doesn't make sense. And everybody's like, why is this being done like what's the point and and if you point out that it doesn't make you know like if you, you know the last time the, emperor, you, the last I'm
0: time most... you were on you brought up um kingdom of heaven right oh yeah yeah speak the truth or at least do not lie essentially and no no it,
1: that's not ex- no, no no that's not the exact that's jordan quote. peterson it was it was uh it was tell the truth, even if even if it leads to your death.
0: Oh, that's right. That's what it was. Yeah, Jordan yeah. Peterson is tell the truth, or at least don't lie. Um, yes, t- even if it leads to your death. And uh, at times, I think actually, I I think I think this more. I Every, I think we need more of that, not less of it. Like we yeah, need yeah, yeah. more I, and more I, and more I, of it.
1: I, it's 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 actually extremely important, and people don't like to hear the word death in the sentence. But you know, it's not about making ourselves martyrs for uh, trivial things it's uh you know telling the truth is uh not always obvious because many 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 times we're dealing with with personal interpretations of what we think is true which might be correct or not correct uh sometimes we use humor where where you deliberately say things that are not true because you want to shock and and make people laugh but it's the it's the actual uh, uh, that when you when you when you um, set out to deceive somebody somebody for whatever reason uh, that's the that's that's where I think telling the truth is extremely important and I think that it's already enough for people to make the commitment to be truthful because what happens then is that uh, you find yourself where you know if you're going to do something. That you might have to lie about later. Then you're going to say, okay, I'm not going to do this because I don't want to lie about it later. Okay, you might, you know, choose to not defraud your neighbor or sleep with your neighbor's wife or things like this, you know, you might just uh, be a better version of yourself. So just making that commitment might keep you doing things you'd have to lie about. And so that's already... uh, an improvement on an individual level, which then if you multiply it by millions and hundreds of millions, then, you know, we're we're better people. We're a better, better collective. So I think that's, for that reason, it's extremely important. And then, you know, even if it leads to your death, kind of resonates to me because there are times when it takes courage to take the truth, you know, and usually it's uh, the more important it is, the more courage it takes. And so then, you know, if you're, if you're if you're determined you're going to live up to that
0: you know I had Jeremy Mackenzie I'm gonna tell this story way too much over the next dang you Jeremy it was to me it just made sense and it fits in with what you're talking about he said imagine and I'm gonna butcher this story I should just clip it and that way I have it ready so I can just play it back and maybe that's what I'll do he goes imagine you're getting he, he's a military veteran he uh he is the uh, the the terrorist of Diaglon, the 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 the, the extremist group here in Canada that has a fictional time-traveling goat named Philip who does cocaine as their leader. And, uh, you know, like, it, it's it's pretty funny. Is there some things in there? You know, it's, it's a meme thing. They got branded a terrorist organization and on and on it went. And it's been, I don't know, wild to watch at times. I'm like, I can't believe this is my country. But in saying that, he says, <clears throat> you know, you're getting on a plane. You're loading up to go to war, and let's say there's a guy sitting there, and I I don't know who I who I, I, I picture there, but he's got a, a clipboard, and he's going to tell you, uh, Sean, uh, you're going to get shot in the head the third day, and uh, Alex, nope, you're safe, and uh, Tom, you're going to get a bomb on the first day, and and uh, and then you have the choice of well, do I get on the plane or don't I get on the plane? And he said, you know, if you're getting on the plane, it's probably worth it. Like I'm going to die, but it's you know, and it's, it's the, 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 the Persians are at hell's gates, right? I go die there or they come in and raid me and we die. Like everybody's going to die at some point. It's like, if your cause is worth going and no no matter the consequences, you're probably in the right spot. If you look at that and no matter what, you're like, I don't want anything to do with it. You're probably not there yet. Or you probably don't have the right, you know, frame of mind. You don't, you don't have the right cause. You don't have the right thing you're thinking about. And I'm like, that makes a ton of sense to me. To me that yeah. was the freedom convoy. People loaded up and went because they felt it, they yeah. knew this is the one. We're we're yeah. going and I we don't care we can't go on what we're doing. And uh most people I don't I don't know, I shouldn't say most people. I don't In my life COVID pushed me to that brink where where I was like I don't know any other way. I don't care what the outcome is. I need to go. And when you talk about like the truth and, and, and trying to do it more, the truth will put you in those situations because you'll see it and you'll have the choice of like, well, am I going to lie today or am I going, you know, everybody die. I I, I have this, you know, I, I feel like it'd be a pretty tough thing to do. Maybe it'd be super easy, but you know, everybody has these like 30 day challenges, whatever. Like, how would we have a thirty-day challenge where you just tell the truth? And I'm not saying where you, you know, the wife comes and says how do the pants mm-hmm. look, and you got to be a, a, an ass about it. I just mean like, don't participate in any lies for a month and see yes. how that goes.
1: Yes, uh, but well, you know, there is something. Uh, there's a funny quote that comes of all people from Tucker Carlson, not known as a, as a source of profound quotes, but she <laughs> said, she <laughs> said, the more you tell the truth, the more powerful you are. Yes. And I was kind of taken aback by that quote, but actually there's really something to that. You know, there's really something to that. Lying really does make you weak and vulnerable. And if you don't do it, if you just tell the truth, you know, some things in your life are going to shake up, but what's going to be left is going to be rock solid. And, and you know, it does something to you. You know, it does something to your confidence and your, you know, self-assurance, Um so, I think it, it works in many ways. I think we just maybe, I don't know, we maybe got used to thinking that ah, it's okay, a white lie, or maybe it doesn't matter if I, you know. Sure. But it's actually, you know, it can, if it, if it becomes a slippery slope where you're just habitually deceiving people for small, little, insignificant advantages or to spare yourself embarrassment or whatever, then. You know, maybe it becomes just like this where you're like habitually this little shit that that just like you know slaloms around issues to not deal with it and and but I think it actually makes you weaker. It does the more
0: you do it you, you know um, i gotta i'm I'm gonna stop apologizing for this, but I imagine being on a sailboat. Why would that make any sense to me, uh, Alex? I literally live in the grasslands, so I, like, there's no there's no ocean near me. But I just, when I see issues coming, to me, I see a storm on the water. And I've never been yeah. on the open water, so I have no idea what you're supposed to do. But I, in my <laughs> mind, you go, well, I either get beat up in the rocks, or I go hide away and act like, you know, and, and stay safe. And that's probably what I, honestly, on a boat, I'd be like, let's get into safe harbor. But in my mind, the only thing you can do is steer into it. And once you steer into yeah. those, sometimes they're not as big a storm as you think. And yes. you learn a lot about yourself.
1: And you actually probably learn, oh, okay, well, that's what that was. Okay, yeah. I'm yeah. a little You're better in, for it. I'm okay. I didn't know I had it in me. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what often often comes back. Yeah, you start to, you start earning your own self-respect. And that that in itself is worth it.
0: You know, I was, I was, I was looking at, um, so I've been talking a lot about, well, off and on about this conference. Cause I haven't, I haven't cemented dates and me and you were going to talk about that a- after hours here, once we we're done. But one of the things I was staring at, you know, when I look at 2024 in the next year, and like, what are some of the biggest threats we face? You know, obviously war, you've, you've brought it up right off the hop, you know, like, do we want to send our sons and daughters off? And once it's going, you know, things get tribal real fast. Yeah. The The other one, you know, that comes to mind and, and I've listened to you talk on it several times <sighs> is, is CBDCs. And, you know, in my mind, I'm like, ah, we're, we're a long way away from a CBDC. But then you know I had Martin Armstrong on not that long ago and he almost I almost made him laugh with that with that train of thought. He's like, "Oh no, it's it's coming way faster than you think." And I guess I'd like your thoughts on CBDCs because you know like it, I look at the 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 financial system and and some of the numbers that are just getting thrown around and where we're throwing money and how we're spending money. I'm like, it just it it's like they they're using such big numbers, Alex. That nobody cares anymore. It's like, uh, you know, it's a trillion dollars. It's over there. The debt's going this way. It's nobody can make sense of it anymore. Like, it just doesn't make sense because the numbers are so big. It's like, ah, it's too big to fail. I'll never, I'll never, you know, what's the, what's the big deal? And yet, you know, like I listen to you talk about CBDCs and I'm like, oh, that is about as scary as it gets.
1: Um, Well, yes, but you know, I, I'm convinced that the CBDCS will will fail because the the whole thing is so insanely ambitious and uh, so insanely complex that while it's conceptually possible to achieve, in practice, I think it's going to fail.
0: But they are going and to I, put it into
1: place, are they not? Well, they, they, they're trying. They're trying, you know. But it's a it's it's it's, it's a nightmare. And, you know, people on top of the, you know, command and control hierarchy in the Western societies, they desperately want it. And then, and they have, you know, almost unlimited resources. And uh, there's a lot of people who want some of their unlimited resources. So they'll promise them all kinds of everything. But the problem matter is extremely, extremely complex. So um, one one case, you know, they tried to launch a CBDC in uh, Nigeria, Um at the end of at the beginning of 2022 okay and it was a very serious project and they they very carefully selected nigeria as a as a as a, as a test market and the, it was biden administration who who made that decision and then they sent all these experts from the imf from from some western consultancies i'm not sure which ones but uh, it wasn't McKinsey. It wasn't uh, Boston Consulting Group. It was some something else, but you know, where they tried to bring together the best and the brightest, and then uh, you know they assisted Nigeria's central bank to implement these. And they chose Nigeria because it was a relatively simple case. You know, um, you know, many people had very ordinary bank accounts or didn't have any bank accounts whatsoever. There wasn't this. There wasn't all this complexity of legal, um, uh, legal implications for your pensions and your real estate properties. And this, can, this, there's a lot of uh, legal work that needs to be done in order to make the CBDCs possible. There's a lot of procedural things that need to be redesigned. Anyway, it's a, I, I, I sat once through a, a presentation by an Accenture guy Accenture is no longer called Accenture, but it's something else. Anyway, th- that company, and they were given—they were giving a presentation about CBDCs. They're totally involved in it. This company, f- uh, formerly known as Accenture, and uh, one thing I can tell you is they there, there they are light we- light years away from confident. So they're talking about all these things that need to be fixed, but it's obviously that they don't don't know how to fix them. Okay, back to Nigeria. So uh, first Nigeria had a referendum about the CBDC and it was rejected by something like 99% of people. People didn't want it. And then, well, you know, uh, we, we don't take a no for an answer. They voted wrong, so the president overruled them and signed a decree that Nigeria is going to have a CBDC anyway. And they gave the Nigerian people a deadline to turn in all their currencies, the Naira, and to convert it into the e-Naira, the, the CBDC thing. People were very confused. They didn't exactly know what happened, so they extended the deadline uh, like another ten days, and then they went for it. Then went for it, and the the thing was managed by the governor of the central bank. The whole thing lasted hundred and eight days. Okay, in Nigeria, so you know, uh, not a premium democracy. Uh, forced down the people's throats and people flipped out okay and there was complete chaos in the country and uh, after 108 days the project came to a grinding halt the president uh, got voted out of office the central bank governor who was uh, who was in charge of the project ended up in prison and i don't know if he's still in prison but i when i looked into it in June, last June, he was still in prison. So it wasn't just like they took him to prison to write an article in the newspaper and then let him go back to live in his villa. No, no, he stayed in prison. And so the the test market that brought together uh, the best of the Western know-how that Bank of International Settlements and IMF could put together, and they took a, a simple test market as a, as a, as a, as a case to demonstrate success. It was extremely important for them for this to be success so they can go to other countries and say like, see how awesome everything is in Nigeria now. Don't you want to do it yourself? Well, now that, you know, the president was voted out of office and the central bank governor governor ended up in prison. Who wants to try it now? You know, maybe you'll get it in Ukraine because it doesn't matter. You know, like they're, they'll do anything to get, uh, bailout money for to co- continue fighting the war and, and all this. you know Zelensky will do anything it doesn't matter. but find me another country where the central bank governor wants to risk going to prison uh, and where the political leadership wants to risk being voted out of office. Nobody's willing and nobody's confident about it. And so they may you know like they are developing the technologies but technology a technology is a fragile thing you know it's you can put however much money you want to put into it, uh, it's not a guarantee that the product will come out good. You know, I can give you a thousand examples, but the most famous one perhaps is the, uh, you know, joint, what's it called? F-35, you know, Lockheed Martin F-35 joint, joint strike fighter. It's a complete nightmare. It's a morass. It's it's like a, a, a trillion dollars flushed down the, down the toilet for, for a thing that barely flies. So, you know, the, 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 the technology development doesn't necessarily uh, respond to how much money you put into it so it can be it can be the most powerful people in the world the bis the Rothschilds the HSB, HSBC uh, Federal Reserve whoever they can put trillions of dollars into it but whether they're going to achieve success with it or not is unpredictable you cannot predict it and the, the problem matter is so complex that my I would be willing to bet money that whatever they roll out is going to fail on a short order. And it may not fail in the sense that they go back to cash, but people will, okay? Because if you force people to use as means of exchange something that doesn't work, that's inconvenient, that people feel creeped out because everything about them is on, on some card, on some server, uh, people will just go to black markets. That's what's going to happen. That's so what, what happens you- in so yeah, what do you, th-
0: uh, what do you think then uh, when you stare at, you know, impending financial crisis, maybe, uh, or just financial crisis, right? Like uh, everything going on in the world today, what is, what is, you know, I, I don't know. I sit here in Canada and I, I look at it and I go, oh, maybe, okay, maybe it'll just keep rolling along then. We'll keep using cash. And, and, and yet like the, the, the slow creep of like, you know, I, I just think of uh, going to Roger's place to watch Tucker Carlson when he was on stage, no cash allowed. So no physical cash allowed in that building. Everything has got to be card. You're like, well, that's, that's a slow little trend towards, towards, you know, and, and can they do that everywhere? No, certainly, probably not. Uh, you know, like I go to the farmer's market and they're like, I'll take whatever you give me, you know, and there's exactly you know, and so there's, there's certain things like that, but when you stare at, uh, you know, the, the problems coming in the next year or years, what do you think they're going to do then?
1: I, I don't know, Sean. I can tell you one thing: I wouldn't want to be them, because they are <laughs> seriously. They are. Uh, they have a lot to lose, and they're out of ideas, and they're desperate, and they're now they're pushing everything forward by force, and the resistance is only gathering. It's not like. It's not like the more we hear from Klaus Schwab and Ursula von der Leyen, the more people are like, oh, yeah, that sounds good, Uh, reasonable. I think I'm going to go along. No, the more people hear them, the more people say, like, are these people mad? I'm not going along with that, you know? And so you see already, uh, when was it? Like a year or two ago when uh, Tedros of the World Health Organization announced uh, Monkeypox, uh, health emergencies of international concern and he declared this health emergency of international concern. Did you notice what happened? Nothing.
0: Nothing. Yeah, because I remember just laughing about it.
1: Exactly. You know, normally when the head of the World Health Organization declares a health emergency of international uh, concern, Everybody's supposed to go crazy and start with lockdowns and masks and 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 and, and, and nobody's doing it. Nobody's doing it because people are like, yeah, whatever. You know, you you do you do you. I'll do me. And then everybody does that. So with done. this
0: with this uh, agreement coming up in May, you know, sitting here as a Canadian, we're we're signing on to well, the, the I don't know if we're you know the, the plan. There's a petition that uh, owed against it, but I mean, I don't know what any petitions. I shouldn't I shouldn't be you know I'm trying not to be so dark but anyways um you know there's this petition coming up uh or sorry this uh, agreement with the WHO coming up where we're supposed to sign on and, and you know uh preparedness for the next one so that we all go lockstep with whatever they do you know and then I, I I've had different chats around it Alex where it's like yeah it's just agreement like I mean what are they gonna do exactly. and if you if you don't go along with it who cares Exactly. And so and and so there's two schools of thoughts, right? There's there's a school of thought. If we sign on to this and then they implement different things like CBDCs and start freezing bank accounts and all that jazz, like we go into this really dystopian world. But if you just don't go along with it, what are they gonna do?
1: Yeah, exactly. What are they gonna do? Because they can't put half of Canada into prison, right? And and you know, they are they are deathly afraid of us figuring it out. You know, they're deathly afraid of people going to black markets. Uh, start using, uh, you know, indigenous currencies because people always figure it out. You know, like I- even if, even if people trade for, you know, packs of cigarettes or, you know, whatever Pokemon cards. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> what happens is that every transaction that happens on the black market. Well, you know, black markets are wonderful because they are, they're exactly the the the, the free market economy where people find all kinds of good. You know, like if you, if, you, if you talk to people in Argentina, they say like, oh, you can find anything you want on the black market. The prices are much lower because there's no red tape taxes, none of this shit. There's real competition actually. So it's extremely attractive to consumers and it's extremely attractive to entrepreneurs because they get to, you know, they get to do business. And so if the if the authorities lose control of the people, and the people start kind of gravitating towards these black markets. Then guess what? Every transaction that happens on black market, you know how much money the government controls uh, collects in taxes? Nothing, right? And uh, do you know? Uh, can you can you report income on that? No, you can't. Do you have to? No, you don't have to. Can they can they police it? No, they can't. And I guarantee you that if if they start misbehaving, if they start getting too oppressive. Uh, let's say they limit you because of you know climate change. They limit you to, I don't know, one tank of gas a week. I guarantee you, somebody in your community will will steal a, a tanker truck, and they're going to be selling the stuff. Well, actually, well, you know, it's the- funny
0: uh, uh, you say that. Uh, not the stealing; they're just going to make it. Like in our, you know, they're just in our area. There's all these brilliant people. They're yeah. just like, well, we'll just, we'll just.
1: Start making our own purple gas and yeah, yeah, carry yeah, on with life. Know, that that happens. That really happens. Yes, I mean, you know, people are law abiding and until and they're not, they do everything by the rule until uh, until they realize that you're trying to screw them over, and then some of them are going to get creative and entrepreneurial, and then people are going to say like, oh my god, you know, like you can go to Joe's uh, behind, you know. Uh, in in his backyard, he can he can fill you up for half the price. Awesome, let's go. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and it doesn't, you know, like it doesn't have. You don't have to seal a tanker truck. You can just figure out a way to siphon it off from the gas pump, which people will. You know, this is you know okay. So I I grew up in Eastern Europe. I grew up in former Yugoslavia, and I'm I'm speaking out of experience. You know, because we were under the communist. Um, I grew up under the you know. Uh, socialist system under one-party communist rule. And it came to the point that nobody cared what the rules are. People just did what they did. And, you know, that's, a, that's actually not a bad place to be because actually you, you, kind, of, you kind of feel free. It's, it's liberating. And, you know, you deal with, the, with people one-on-one according to, uh, I, think, I think according to natural law. And natural law is a very simple thing. Act with honor and do no harm. And then people just, you know, forget the rules, forget the restrictions and regulations. I just talked, you know, I talked to Sean. Hey, Sean, you got any eggs? Yeah, I got some. Hey, you know, uh, what do you need for that? And, you know, that's how people. That's what people do. And then, you know, the government start, suddenly finds itself with a massive gaping hole in their, uh, in their budget. And then the central bank has to print. And then, you know... By virtue of that, the currency, their currency, the one that they control, starts to lose value. And so they actually paint themselves in a corner in a very massive way. So, you know, uh, they try to play this big game of, oh, we're so powerful, we're so omnipotent, uh, all resistance is futile, just, you know, obey and comply and you'll be fine. But in fact, they're scared shitless and, and they have, they're have, they out of ideas and they're out of solutions and there's going to come a time when the whole thing's going to crumble.
0: Protests in Europe. Hey, I like your hopefulness. I, I I like when we get Alex rolling like this because it, you know <laughs> too often we we stare into the dark void and go like the end of the world is coming, you know, and um and then you you know you you witness things like certainly the trucker convoy, certainly um, a lot of different things happening across uh, the board. Protests are happening everywhere. It seems like, or at least that's that's my, my feed, and I don't know if I'm, you know, I don't know if the algorithm is just like, hey, Sean needs to see some protests today or what. You're like you're on the other side of the
1: pond. What do you see? Uh, only what comes through Twitter. Uh, I don't. I, I I'm sitting in Monaco, right. The, I haven't seen any protests here, but apparently they are uh, all over France, and. Uh, that's not unusual either. French just like to protest, you know, if they don't, they don't put up with nonsense easily, but you know, the fact that German farmers went protesting in such absolutely massive numbers is, is pretty awesome. You know, you know that, you know that the, uh, the the situation became completely intolerable when Germans are out on the roads. And so what's going to be the result of it? I don't know, but you know, uh, People have been rubbed raw by the nonsense uh, of their governments, and they've lost faith in the government. Um, this is always, again, <clears throat> the point in time when you, when you start questioning, uh, what does it mean to be compliant? Uh, it, it it looks like being the law-abiding citizen is actually punished. You know, you're 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 being you're being a law abiding citizen to your detriment. And then you start thinking out of a box and you think, like, like I, I don't have to put up with this shit. You know, I'll just take care of me and my family and we'll see where. And then, you know, like when people start making these decisions in their hundreds of thousands and millions, then, you know, the ruling establishment lost control. And, you know, I, I, I feel that whatever they're trying to do now, they're pushing on a wet noodle and, and that's how effective it is.
0: I have a, a a random question for you. Alex. I don't know if you know the answer to this um, who's the who is it um, who's the new prime minister of uh Argentina
1: Millet. Malay thank you Millet, yeah
0: um he, there was a video that came out of him kissing the wall in Israel do you understand what the heck is going on here and can you can you lay it out for me in a way that I understand because I I watch it and I'm like what what is this? And why yeah. is it that I've seen now, not only him, but like I've seen Donald Trump have to do it. I've seen, I believe Biden did it, I think. Uh, but I've never seen like Justin Trudeau go do it. So is it just certain countries do it? Is it certain faiths that go do it? Am I missing something? Why, you know, why does this happen? Or
1: do you know? I don't really. I, the whole thing mystifies me, and particularly in the case of Millay, because he, he, uh, I don't know what experience he had kissing that wall, but he totally broke down and yeah he, it, he 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 started having these uh tight hugs with whoever was standing next to him. I didn't know who the man was uh, yeah, I don't know i find him i find it very weird um people people were very impressed with his speech to the world economic forum like he like he supposedly spoke truth to power, but I didn't read his speech like that at all. I I thought it was just a pretty much a nothing burger from as far as I'm concerned. You know, uh, Trump's speech to the World Economic Forum, that was a spit in their faces. That was a real thing. Millay, okay, Trump wasn't there this January. He was there, I, I don't know, two years ago or so, or maybe even more. But Trump's speech... To World Economic Forum is worth watching again. Uh, Malays, to me, uh, I was, I was, I actually kind of felt embarrassed for him. I, I didn't, I, 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 yeah, whatever. Interesting. So he, uh,
0: why, I find why, 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 why? Because a lot of people celebrated him going over there and what he did.
1: Yeah, he didn't say anything particularly important. He's talking about freedom. Uh, he's talking about not paying taxes. Uh, I don't know, I didn't find anything really inspiring in his speech. Like literally nothing. And it was all, a lot of what he said, you know, you could interpret it like this or you could interpret it like that. He didn't actually speak to that structure of power over there. He just talked about, you know, concepts about, you know, being free. What does that mean? Does it mean being free to... Uh, abuse and brutalize uh, ordinary people and immiserate them and, and push them into poverty, free to do that. like He didn't really define his terms for me. Um, which makes, it a, no- which, is which, which, which makes it a nothing
0: burger. When, you, when you're when you not specific. Uh, is that what you mean? When, you, yeah, when you're yeah, not specific, it, more, it becomes it a nothing like burger.
1: Empty, it was more like sloganeering that kind of sounds good, but it could be interpreted in more than one ways. So... I thought, yeah, why weren't you a bit more strong and more specific? Uh, if you if you uh, watch Donald Trump's speech to 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 Davos, uh, that that was that was a good kick in the crotch to to the to the to the gathering, you know. <laughs>
0: I'm gonna have to go watch it because I I gotta be honest, I haven't watched Donald Trump, so it's it's obviously a few years ago. Because yeah. you can imagine if Donald Trump showed up there this year, uh, I don't know if they. Hey, well, the you know, I
1: don't. I don't think they're inviting him anymore after that speech. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> um. Yeah. No. I. My
0: my my final question. I want to go all the way back to uh, uh, Tucker and Putin. Here in Canada, everybody always wants people to get involved in politics or involved in whatever and and you know and nobody's ever involved in anything but that interview we go sit at the hockey rink people are like if you are you watching the interview tonight I'm like oh this is <laughs> wild and it wasn't just you know a certain section of the population I found it was everybody it was big to me it was as big as the Super Bowl big I mean like it was just you know people uh you know harp on the Super Bowl and everything else but the Super Bowl you have to admire what they've built there like I mean they've literally built this thing where My wife won't watch jack squat when it comes to sports. The Super Bowl, she's like, Yeah, we could toss it on, right? I'm like, wow, that's something. They've they've found a way to make it open to more than just, I don't know, big white men, you know, who drink beer and eat Cheetos. This interview that Tucker did was that on steroids. I don't remember, you know, a couple people said, Oh, yeah, what are you doing? Oh, Super Bowl. Oh, okay, yeah, whatever. But I was sitting there, and people were like, Are "You watching the interview tomorrow?" And then it was like, "Has it aired yet?" You know, and everybody was like on pins and needles. Was that the same maybe. way it was in Europe? Uh, and did it, anyone even care in Europe?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. They did, they did, definitely, definitely. Well, you know, it was in English, so if unless you have a good command of English, it was, it was not. You know, maybe, maybe people had to wait until subtitled versions come out. So, maybe. You know, many people were resigned to not watching it straight away. But I think that among the, among the uh, like English speaking people, yeah, it was definitely very, very, um, very uh, highly anticipated event. Everybody knew about it. I got actually, you know, uh, Saturday two weeks ago, a friend called me from Moscow. Yeah. And this is Saturday morning breakfast time. And he's like, you'll never guess who I had a chat with. And I'm like, yeah, of course I'm not going to guess. Who, who was it? Tucker Carlson. I'm like, dude, what you're in Moscow. And he says like, yes. And he says like, uh, he's staying at my hotel. So I was having breakfast and I see him and his, uh, his team. He said like, he had all these, you know, the people with, you know, cameras and stuff. And I was like, and he, and he said like, I went over there and I, and I said, hello. And he was, Tucker was very nice and he stood up. Sh- we shook hands. We had a, we had a little chat together and, uh, he didn't tell him why he was in Moscow, but die. It was obvious. You know, he didn't, he didn't go, uh, therefore for for his amusement. And so I was okay. So we're getting, uh, we're getting the interview. So I, I, I knew it a week before it actually happened.
0: Yeah. Part of me wants to just go travel to Moscow. Like part of me, you know, I, 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 I just, I'm I'm so tired of being dictated. You know, I, we just talked about this, I think. I don't know. My brother and I, who you've met, you've been yeah. in his barn, Dustin. We bike Canada. And when we bike Canada, you know, like I was shocked because I'd, you know, were some Quebecers maybe more unfriendly than some, I don't know, Saskatchewan folk? Maybe. But by and large, Every preconception I had of Canada was shattered on that trip because I thought, you know, like been told Ontario people are just like standoffish. They're, you know, they're, you know, uptight, whatever. Nicest human being I ever met was in Ottawa. Literally, you know, fixed yeah, our bikes, exactly. guided yeah. us, guided us through the city. Like we would have been, I don't know what would have happened. Well, we would have figured it out, obviously. But like, I mean, he led us through rush hour traffic, fixed all our stuff, fed us supper, like just was like great human being. Same thing in Quebec. We had we had people just like watch out and and like treat us kindly and 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 all these different things. So then you you get back and you're like, why would they keep why would they do that? You know? And to me, you look at Russia and you go, I lived in Finland and they're like, do not go there. Like and that that was that was, you know, shoot, how many years ago? That's a decade ago. A decade ago, I was basically told, "Do not go there." Oh yeah, yeah, not going there. But I never felt like imminent danger living there by any stretch either. And yeah, now I'm like, man, a guy should have just went and just, yeah, just just to step his toe in there, right? Because see, I, I I have no idea what it is. It's this boogeyman of like what it is, and it it probably is nothing of the sort.
1: I mean, there's yeah, probably yeah, exactly it. it's nothing of the sort. You know, I went in 2015. I went on my own personal fact finding mission to, to Russia and I went by myself uh, and I spent two weeks in St. Petersburg and I enrolled, enrolled myself in a, in, a, in a course of Russian language. And I spent my time just like wandering around, you know, eating lunch, sitting at bars, walking down the streets, going to museums. And guess what? It, it's just a normal place. You could have been in any European cities any any of the European major cities. It's just a normal place. People are nice. There's, you know, like, they're Russian. They have, you know, like, everybody has some kind of a, how do you call it, uh, idiosyncrasies. There's, there's you know, like, Italians are not the same as Germans, and, and the Finnish are not the same as Portuguese. And, you know, Russians have their national character, but they're nice people. They're good people. Right, and if you meet them, you realize that they're good people. You know, if somebody tells you over the fence, "Oh, don't go there. The people there, they're going to chop you up and eat you," then you go like, "Oh, you know, uh, that's dangerous. I'm not going there." But if you actually do go there, you find out that they're good Have people gone- and that they're nice. Have you gone to a place, Alex, where you're like, mm, "I don't know about that place"? Not, not a country, but I've gone to like local communities. You know, where you feel a little bit creeped out. You know, where you go to a small village and people are looking at you like, hey, stranger, what are you doing in our village? But I'm not talking about Russia. I'm talking about uh, uh, California. I went to a place called Paradise, California, which means California
0: is in- where you where you got stared at.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it, Paradise, California. Right. It was a uh, it was in 1980s and everybody was like, everybody looked like a lumberjack with big long beard and those, those shirts, uh, square shirts and jeans and boots and hats. And, and they were just, you know, they were just not used to, I, I don't know, maybe it was the particular place where I was. And then also I know that in, um, in Croatia, you know, we have a lot of islands. Croatia has a thousand islands. And many of these islands are kind of their own communities. Generations, and uh, they're relatively isolated. You know, maybe you get one ferry a day or something like this. And sometimes, when you go to these little islands, uh, you notice that people are kind of a, a, a closed community. You know, they they look at other people as strangers, and uh, you know, you don't feel like you're in danger, but you're not feeling like you're welcome either. So that does happen. But you know, most places whether we're talking about Russia or Croatia or Italy or anywhere, you know, you discover that people are good. People are nice. If, if you ask for help, they give you help. Uh, you know, this is, this, is, uh, this is the way humanity is, I think, if, if they're not uh, traumatized and oppressed and, and, and whipped up into a frenzy of, 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 of hysteria of some sort. If people are cool, chilling, doing their stuff, you know, well, if you read travel books, <clears throat> everybody always says how they feel welcome. You know, like you don't, you don't read so many times that somebody goes somewhere to Iran or somewhere, and then, you know, the people cook them up and eat them. You know, that...
0: Yeah, I think more people need to get out from their computer and, and go see. Well, myself included. I I think exploring the world is one of the great gifts, you know, that we have the ability to do, you know, uh, until yeah, they try and shut that sure. down, you know, cause we're all killing the, you know, we got to go carbon, you know, no flying for you, uh, you know, and, and, and down, <laughs> yeah. and, down and down it goes, you're going to eat, eat bugs and be happy. And you're not going to fly anywhere. Cause it's going to be, you know, you're, you're going to, you're not going to drive anywhere. We're not going to build any roads here in Canada. And we're going to give you made when you get depressed about
1: it, man. We're just Who needs roads when you can live in a 15 minute city?
0: That's right. Um what we're going to do, folks, is we're going to slide over to Substack for one final question. So, if you want to come join us there, come on and join us over at Substack. Either way, thanks for uh, hopping on, Alex, today, and um, we'll uh, we'll we'll finish the conversation, folks, on uh, on the other side. So, come follow us over on Substack.